Hey, what's your secret? Intriguing revelations, confessions, hilarious, risque, and incredibly wonderful things. Welcome to Things That Happen in Gyms. I'm your host, Elaine Huba, an award-winning personal trainer. Join me with exciting special guests as we reveal stories once told only behind the fitness scenes. Hey, what's your story? What's your story? Rob McLeod, also known as Frisbee Rob, is a motivational speaker and Frisbee ambassador who has six Guinness World Records, 13 world records, and the Canadian distance record. We talk about the familiar Guinness book from childhood, awkward things that happen in yoga, Elaine's big ball experience, and we get into a polite disagreement about controversial diversity topics. Let's start with my introduction voice. When I try to speak when it's just me, I'm like actually trying to speak really nice. I was and say it sounds like that, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, this is how my nice voice sounds. Okay, wait till you hear the introduction. And the outro sound even less like myself because not only was I trying to force myself to talk nice, but I also tried an auto-tune app thinking it would make my voice sound better. But everyone who listens to it just like starts <laughs> laughing. They just burst out yeah. laughing. But I was really actually trying to be serious. But the fact that everyone's laughing about it is a good thing because it's supposed to be like an entertaining and funny podcast. So Especially now, like, like there's so much serious stuff happening. I think people want to laugh. Yeah. It's serving its purpose, so that's that's all I want. Make people laugh, have and fun. It's, it's lighthearted. And... Guinness World Records. So let's talk about your Guinness World Records. I'm sure that's a huge topic of conversation and question that you get. It's very interesting because not many people have world records that I know of. I don't know anyone that has a Guinness World Record. It's interesting because as a kid, I don't know if you're the same, but as a kid, you remember that, like, that nice fat Guinness World Records? Yes, book. I was going to say that. That's the only recollection I have of Guinness World Records. Yeah, and I had a gray one and a white or a yellow one. It was so thick and hard to turn the pages. And I remember going through that and just wanting to be in it someday. But all I remember was Robert Wadlow was eight foot 11 inches tall. And I'm not that. So I was like, well, that's not going to work. And then you the can't make yourself grow. Not that no, tall. No, not I that wish. tall. Maybe a couple inches. <laughs> And then the fattest man in the world was like 1,100 pounds. And I'm like, well, I don't want to be that. 1,100 pounds? I think pounds? that's been broken, something like that. So I kind of just forgot about it. And then I set my first world record in 2011. And that was not a Guinness record. And then my first Guinness record, I was actually flown to China to be on a TV show. And that was a whole other experience. That's cool. And then my first world record, I was actually, so I didn't break it in China. Came yeah. back, so January 2012, World Health Club Edgemont, I broke it in the tennis courts. That was a pretty special experience for me to be in two books. No pictures in the books yet, but no pictures. My, my name was in the book. Well, now they have websites, I'm sure, because they're, websites and apps. they've probably gone away from books. Yeah, they still do the book. Still There's still something well, about good. just holding a book. Yeah. They tried apps, but I think a book on an app is just not the same experience. Like ebooks don't do well compared to hardcover books still. Audiobooks obviously do well, but a Guinness World Record audiobook is not really going to be. It doesn't work out. Yeah, you want to be able to flip and scan pages. And, and look at the pictures. Yeah. So 2014, 2015, I was in the book. Had to buy the book. They didn't gift you a book for being in it? No, because, I mean, you think there's a thousand people in the book. Mm-hmm. So, and they make money off of people buying the books, which include me buying my own book. And <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. Did you know you were setting a world record, a Guinness World Record in the tennis courts? Was that your goal? Or did you just do it and then you realized after? 
this qualifies as a world record? Yeah. So sometimes, you know, if you're, let's say you're tempting like the deadlift world record, mm-hmm. you know what the number is. If you break that, you set the record. So the record that I broke was not a record. And so I had to actually hit a minimum number. So in China, I'd hit, they wanted me to hit, I think, 20, and I hit 18. And they're like, well, it's not a world record. Because they wanted to set a limit. Because they didn't want me to just have two. So I, it was the n- most number of drink cans knocked over in one minute with a Frisbee. They just made it up for the TV show. Oh, okay. So it's not, there's not a competition that I travel to, and we set up drink cans, and we try and knock them over. It was just set up for, the, for Guinness. Okay. Yeah, and so when I came back, I hit 28 in the tennis court. And so I knew that was the mark because I I hit the minimum. Most of the records I have, there was already a record existing that I had to actually break. Oh, okay. Okay. So it was actually a competition I set up, but it's, that's why Guinness sometimes they've, they've gotten away from it being like Michael Phelps breaks a world record Mm -hmm. in the Olympics. That becomes a Guinness world record, but there's a lot of world records. It's like the fastest marathon run by a woman wearing a SpongeBob SquarePants costume. Right. And it gets very specific. Yeah. Because the more records they have, the more people attempting, the more money they make, it becomes a business. The more people buying books that are in it. Exactly. So <laughs> I want to go, I like going after the skill records where it's already a record within my federation that's respected. I don't want to just start making up records. Kids say the cutest things. What's the funniest thing you've experienced teaching kids Frisbee? So there's two. Um, one of them happened probably four years ago. I was in Nova Scotia. And I was doing a demo for the entire school, so about 250 kids. And I sometimes do tricks, just like freestyle tricks. Some people do it with basketballs, soccer balls. I was doing it with a Frisbee. And I dropped one on the ground. I tried a trick, and I missed it. And this kid stands up who's like six years old. And they're like, you're not very good. <laughs> like, hold on a sec. But later on, they did, they did something like really bad in a workshop, so I gave them a timeout for five minutes. You, wait, you gave him a timeout? Yeah, but he deserved it. <laughs> What did he do? He like threw a frisbee really hard at someone's head or something. Um, I was like, go have a seat for a couple minutes. So you gave like, a oh. you gave a kid a timeout, and it, and it was not just because he made fun of me in front of his, his entire. It wasn't. School. No, <laughs> are you sure? Yeah. <laughs> you didn't have a target on him for the. You were just looking for him to to mess up somewhere along the line. But sometimes, I'm, because it's interesting, right? If a kid is always looking for attention, either they don't get it at home or they get it all the time at home. So in my workshops, I try and identify those moments. And sometimes I'm like, they need a little nurturing. They need someone to give them a little bit of hope. Or sometimes they need a little structure. And so when I see kids throwing Frisbees dangerously and they look over at me, go have a seat. Because they know they did something they shouldn't have done. And they want to see if I'm going to actually set a boundary or not. Okay. Um, and if I don't, then they're like, oh, this guy will let us get away with anything. Perfect. And then the other one was recently, this kid, I was in Fort McMurray. He was like 10 years old. And I was doing a trick. And he said, you know, if you keep practicing, you'll get really good at that. <laughs> I appreciate your, uh, your guidance, and I'm, I'm really glad that you believe in me and you think I can become good someday, so thank you. <laughs> have, you have you gotten good since then? I'm working on working it. On <laughs> Hopefully it? next time I'm back at the school, I'll be like, yeah, see, you got better at it. He must have heard someone else say that to him and just thought this is the thing you say to people oh, they're, when they're... they're so funny. Yeah. Kids, it's amazing what they'll spit out. And parents have to be careful because things that happen at home, they can definitely repeat it oh, yeah. to a total stranger. You just ask them and it's like, oh, shoot. I don't I, think they're supposed to say that. Is there anything you've said that you think the kids could have taken home and the parents would be like, oh, what, yeah, is, I mean, what is Frisbee Rob teaching? Sometimes I'm very bold. Um, I do give kids a challenge to get away from screens. And so sometimes I'll tell kids to go home and get the TV out of their bedroom. And kids will say, well, what am I supposed to do with my TV? I'm like, I don't know, go sell it. 
So sometimes kids will go home and tell their parents, I have to sell my TV because Frisbee Rob told me to. <laughs> or like the parents will be on their iPad and the kids will say, Frisbee Rob said, get off your iPad. So for sure, they'll say things like that. And I, and I like that. I like that there's now conversations about that. And what made you decide to work specifically with kids? I'm slowly starting to work with more adults as well. But um, part of it is the idea of physical literacy. And so that's why I think gyms are, are super important and they can get people moving in many, many different ways. And especially the training that you do, I think, has a lot of value because you get back to those fundamental movements. And so building the fundamental movement skills within kids is super important because to try to build them when somebody's 20, 25, 30 years old, they've probably done a lot of stuff already or it's really tough to build those, those basic skills. Either they're not willing to because adults are like, well, that's a silly thing. Why would I do that? Kids do that stuff. So kids are a lot more open to it, more receptive to it. And also there's a lot of opportunities for kids to get into sports when they're young that they may not be able to get in when they're older. So it's a good way to connect with other kids, opportunities to travel, scholarship opportunities, and just there's a lot of schools. And so for me, looking at the industries, I kind of stumbled upon the perfect industry because there's 35,000 schools in Canada, roughly. And that's a massive, massive market to go after. They like what I do. I love going in and being the coolest person. Kids call me magical. Ooh. But yeah, I see, I see a lot of value in not just the work that I do, but the messages that come with sports and fitness for life, really. Trying new things. So when I go into schools, a lot of times kids will say, Frisbee's not my thing. Totally fine. But everyone has a thing. And so it's a cool way to actually teach different things to kids because you can inspire them to do their thing by just you doing your thing. I had a girl at a school, she was probably grade six or seven, and she's like, I don't really get how this relates, like all this practice of the Frisbee, like, I don't do Frisbee. I'm like, well, what do you do? She's like, well, I ride horses. I'm like, okay, well, what we're doing at the Frisbee, these tricks and practicing and going back to the basics, you could take that back to riding a horse. And she's like, oh, that makes sense. <laughs> and so sometimes just reframing it a little bit. It's not me trying to get people loving Frisbee, it's introducing Frisbee. If they like it, great. If not, then at least they could take that back to whatever they like to do and then have a different perspective with whatever their pursuit is or just have an, an open mind about trying something that they've never tried before. So what skills from Frisbee can you transfer to, say, horse riding? It's not so much the specific skills of throwing a Frisbee or catching a Frisbee that helps you in horseback riding. It's just knowing that it's a process and, you know, you can't just run up and jump on a horse and then go right away. You have to start at the beginning and you have to... I don't know much about horseback riding, but, you know, just getting up in the saddle the first time or connecting with the horse or things like that. So, And it doesn't take long for people to get that mentality of, I can't do it, I want to quit. So, like, kindergarten to grade five or six, they're pretty open to trying and trying and trying and trying and failing. Grade seven, eight, a little less. Grades nine to 12, they try it, they can't do it, they're done. And I see that with teachers as well. So teachers, I have them trying something that they can't do. And this is on purpose. I show kids and teachers something that's really tough. It's twirling a Frisbee and picking it up off the ground upside down. It took me a long time to figure it out. And so I'll do that, and I see teachers try it once, can't do it, and then they go around pretending to help the kids. But it's because they're frustrated and they can't do it. And so it's cool when I have those teachers who are really special and they keep going and keep trying because they set an example for the kids. Because why would a kid keep doing it if they can't, if they keep failing, if their teacher's not going to do it? And so it's neat because as adults, it's, it's sometimes tough because we don't like to do things we're not good at. But it's okay sometimes to do those things, and it's always okay to fail and just to try. You know, if we don't try, that's 
really failing in itself, right? And I'm sure you've seen that with a lot of clients. And I see this with yoga as well. I'm starting off and I can't do a lot of the poses, but the more that I do, the more confidence I'm getting because I'm getting closer and I'm getting more mobile with that. Yes. Um, I have so many clients tell me, well, I can't do yoga because I'm not flexible. That's the whole reason to do yoga (laughs) so that you can get flexible and mobile and all those other skills that yoga is progressing you towards because there's no beginning point that you need to be. You don't have to be flexible before you get flexible. A beginner yogi. A friend of mine who wasn't familiar with yoga but went to a yoga class. He's like a bigger guy. He, uh, <laughs> at the end of class, say, the instructor says namaste, and then you say namaste to your, the people around you. And he thought the instructor said, say your name. So he was bowing with the prayer posture, saying his name to everyone before he realized everyone was like, what are you saying? I thought the instructor's name was Namaste. So. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I love that. And uh, I like that he shared it with you, too. Yeah. He owned it. He's like, oh, I didn't really know. Yeah. I'm sure that's happened a lot because my first time, um, and I've been to yoga in the past, but that wasn't really something we did because we did it more as like a team yoga thing. And so recently I've gotten back into yoga with my girlfriend. And so the first time there, like, Namaste. And I'm like, cool. And she's like, no, you're supposed to like. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> The light within me recognizes and acknowledges the light within you. Well, and it's, yeah, there's like a certain protocol within it. And I was like, <laughs> I just go in and do my thing. And I'm like, well, whatever. <laughs> yeah, well, if you don't, if you don't know, you don't, you don't know. And it's different depending where you are in the world too. Yoga is very different. And, and even like different instructors. Like I did yoga today where we held the pose for a really long time, which I love because the way that my body is built. If I just do a pose quickly, I don't really get too deep into it. And I find I, I like holding it for 20 or 30 seconds because I really find benefit from that. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's funny because the instructors have gotten to know me a bit and know that I, there's certain poses I can't do yet. And so they'll say, okay, option one, do it this way. Option two is a little harder. Option three, Rob, just for you. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> and it's okay if you can't do something. And so it's been yeah. humbling for me because... I'm surrounded by people who have been doing yoga for five, 10, whatever years who are incredible at it, doing handstands and all these things. And I'm just very new to it. And so it's cool to be doing something that um, I'm not very good at because it's been a long time since I've done something that I'm not very good at. You're, you're good at everything frisbee. else you do? Well, I usually only do things I'm good at. Oh, okay. <laughs> like with Frisbee, I do Frisbee like all the time. And so for me to do something that's new, usually I'm like, well, why would I do that? I'll just go do Frisbee because I'm really good at that and I'll just do more of that. Okay. It's time away from Frisbee, but I'm also learning that it's good to take a break sometimes. And um, I'm sure that yoga is going to benefit you massive. in some way. Yeah, I'm also dealing with like some tennis elbow. Mm. And so I've been doing a lot of lifting and, and moving. And so that's really been affecting me. And I'm also learning that when you're 21, feel something, the next day it's gone. When you're in your 30s, it, it stays around a little longer. You're not 21 anymore? No. What? What <laughs> happened? What happened to all these Had years? a few birthdays. <laughs> a few birthdays um, since then? You ever heard of Peter Atia? No. Well, I don't know. Explain it, and then so, I'll tell you. So Peter Atia, he's been on Tim Ferriss a bunch. Um, he's an amazing doctor, and he's he's all about the Centurion Olympics. And so he's like, when I'm 100 years old, I want to be lifting my great-great-grandchild in my arms. So he's like, if I need to lift a 30-pound kid when I'm 100, what do I have to do when I'm 90, when I'm 80, when I'm 70, when I'm 60? So I really like that approach. That's kind of what I'm doing with frisbee is if i want to be playing frisbee when i'm 90 well what are the things i have to be doing 
to lead up to that point because it's not just pushing my body as hard as I can for maximum effort right now. It's building a lifestyle that I can sustain. Awkward yoga things. Back to your yoga classes that you're pretty new at. Have you had any awkward experiences Farting. as a newbie? You ha- That happened? <laughs> Everyone always asks me, they're like, oh, you go to yoga. Has anyone ever, has this ever happened to anyone? I'm like, not any of the classes I know, but. Um, yeah, um, farting and snoring. You've I done s- both? During Shavasava, I snore all the time. You snore? You oh, fall asleep 100%. and snore? Yeah. You're that tired? Out. Oh, yeah. Not tired, just that relaxed. I just, I'm out in like a minute. Okay. People always laugh at me, but it was only like six of us, I remember, in one of the classes, and the teacher's like, oh, no, it's uh, it's a compliment when somebody falls asleep during Shavasana. I'm like, I don't know. But I'm totally just, it's, I love it so much. It's like the best part of yoga for me. So you can just fall asleep yep. even when you're not tired, <laughs> just if you're relaxed yeah. at any time, <laughs> at any yep. time. Yep. What? Why? I don't know. It's a skill. <laughs> it's a skill I have. So, yeah. Can you snoring. bottle that? Because there's a, a lot of, I, I don't have problems with sleeping, but a lot of my clients have problems, problems sleeping, sleeping. And Yeah, I guess like yoga gives me the ability to shut my mind off. When I mm. go into yoga, I do have my watch on, so I track. Not a big like, oh, I got this many steps today, but it is kind of cool to track the yoga and everything. But it's in airplane mode, so no notifications can come through. Usually I'll leave my phone in the car, just, you know, turn it off and leave it to the side. So I know for that hour, no distractions. No one can get a hold of me. You're not um, supposed to have your phone in yoga anyways. Well, we don't want to get it stolen from the car. So we'll just, like, leave okay. it on the side underneath. Are um, you are you a, a little bit addicted to your phone? You have to bring it into class? I just don't you know want it stolen. Is? That's the only... Yeah. But it's always shut off. Okay. I, I don't look at it. Um, and so being there for that hour, I know that no one can get a hold of me. It's beautiful. I'm not going to be reading anything. There's no phone calls, no text messages. I'm just there present with everyone else. And I absolutely love that. I love yoga. I'm, I'm absolutely, I'm doing it pretty much every day. Yeah. I saw you. Instructors and. I don't know why this just popped into my head, but I saw your Zoom set up on uh, <laughs> Instagram. Virtual meeting setups. That's intense. What yeah, do you Zoom about? You got like a uh, whole setup with lights and a green background. Yeah, I'm doing a lot of coaching right now. I'm part of um, a consulting group for emotional intelligence. Yesterday we had a two and a half hour training and then like an hour and a half coaching call. Today we had an hour and a half coaching call. You know, you can imagine you have just the wall behind you. Some people put like a painting on the wall. But our CEO, he always has like this cool video in the background, just colors. I really liked it. And he posted a setup where he had a stand and then a green screen. So Zoom and Google Meet have a feature where you can enable a green screen. And so I played around with it a little bit and found like a nice, it was like a Northern Lights thing that I used yesterday, but. It's nice and soothing. Yeah. And sometimes it's like, there's this one person who has like this gray stone picture, Mm -hmm. but it's weird because when she moves, she doesn't have a green screen. So it's like, there's a blur and it's just, oh, if it's done wrong, like remember PowerPoint when people would have tons of transitions and it just looked cheesy. So when you do it poorly, it doesn't look very good. Okay. My goal, I'm going to be doing a lot of coaching with other people. And so I want to have a nice professional setup. And you can, you can do fun things with green screens too for video. I would put like something really awkward in the background, like not inappropriate awkward, but just something really random and weird and just wait till someone mentions it to me. That's what I would do. Well, there's been, people's lives have been ruined. Well, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put something that would ruin. There's some people that have gone to Zoom while they're like, or have been on Zoom while they went to the washroom. Part of it is like to look professional. So I have lights as well. And I just want to look good. There's times where I didn't really care. 
and I had my glasses on, hadn't shaved, like a hoodie, whatever. I'm just sitting back and I'm trying to treat it as like if I'm going to work or how, what image do I want to present, right? So it's like people used to complain. I remember when I was at World Health, they complained about some trainers who were overweight. You know, if you're going to be a trainer, live the lifestyle. I came up with a quote yesterday. So people that live the lifestyle are the ones that last, right? Because there's a huge turnover within trainers constantly. But a lot of times they're, they're not living the lifestyle. They, they don't believe in it. So how can their trainer or how can their clients believe in it? And so that's something I'm trying to do. If I want to coach people to be better, I want to set an example and have a nice setup. I'm a total dork when it comes to technology. So I love having like the lights and just getting set up. And then I feel like I'm in a good mindset. I look fun. Yeah. You just, yeah, it's the mindset too, right? Yeah. You actually put some effort into it. I was, I was on a Zoom call with somebody. She has five kids. Five kids. Why? I don't know. And her coach yesterday, she has eight kids. <laughs> Why? She said eight is eight is right. Mm. Maybe she has nine. She said nine is divine. I don't know. She that gave me anxiety. That she plant a lot of kids. Oh, okay. And then there was a woman on one of our calls that has fifty grandchildren. Fifty grandchildren. Five zero. Yeah. So I was trying to figure out the math of that because if she has five kids, do they each have ten kids? If she has ten kids, do they each have five kids? Like no matter how you do it, that's that's a big number. Wow. Maybe there's some step-grandkids in there? Maybe she mm. just considers them all, yeah. Okay, well, I don't know. But how do you make, t- I, and like, sometimes people are like, I just don't have time to exercise. Okay, I guess if you have eight kids, that's, that's a lot. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, running after the kids is exercise, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Good cardio. <laughs> just throw one on your back and... <laughs> a little papoose or something. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's, it was, it's fun to kind of just have that set up and, you know, knowing that this is my office for a while now, because you've transitioned from traveling a lot for work to do workshops. In the last eight months, I've done eight schools. Normally, I would have done 80 schools. So it's been a huge change for me. And part of that is, and it, it sounds petty, but it's a big shot to my ego. Because when I go into a school, I'm the coolest thing ever for a day. I leave, I go to a school. I'm the coolest thing ever. I leave, I go to another school. And, I, and it felt... Like I had a great purpose. And now that I'm not doing that, I'm sort of having to find another purpose in the meantime. Hoping that I can go back to that, but not really knowing how long this is all going to last. Mm-hmm. And so trying to figure out a way that I can still provide value online. When you were traveling a lot, you see a lot of different types of gyms when you're traveling. Yeah. Gyms and traveling. What's your favorite gym you've been to? I have two answers for this. So... One of the values of being a member of a gym that's all over, the, all over the country is you know what to expect. And so no matter what city you're in, whatever town you're in, as long as they have that chain of gyms, you feel like you're at home. And that's one of the things I really like about being part of a gym that has chains everywhere is you know, I'm, com- I'm comfortable here. No matter how different everything else is, that's the one sort of consistent thing you can have. And so I really like that piece. It's also kind of fun to explore new gyms, but trying to get into those gyms is a challenge sometimes. I do a lot of three-day trials, and they want to sell me on a membership. I'm never going to come back here because they may not let you in because usually it says, like, you have to have, you have, to have an address in town or something because they don't oh. want people to do a trial that don't live there. Where they're not going to sign up. Sometimes you can just pay a drop-in. So I've done that a lot, especially in the U.S. with 24-hour fitness. Just pay, like, 5 or $10, $20, whatever the drop-in is, and it's worth it. But then sometimes if it's a higher drop-in, then you want to work out longer because you feel like, I don't want to pay 20 bucks, only go for half an hour because I feel like I'm wasting money. Oh, so that's kind of motivation. You got to get yeah. your money's worth of gym time. Yeah, and where was I? Somewhere where, I think I went to the gym three times in a day. Wow, and just to make, just to make that money work Well, part of it is like, 
when I'm traveling on the road, sometimes I'll stay at an Airbnb, sometimes with friends, and I like showering at the gym. You get as many towels as you want. You don't have to worry about laundry. You don't have to worry about boring towels or being in someone else's shower or whatever. I also found out a lot of gyms have irons. And so if you have wrinkly clothes, you can go to the gym and you can iron your clothes. Oh, that's true. Yeah. So I had that once where I put on my clothes for school and I'm like, oh, looks like I just woke up. So <laughs> let's go to the gym, iron my clothes, do a workout, shower. Perfect. Shave at the gym. You got it all in. Yeah. I actually didn't know about the trial pass needing the address. Sometimes I do. I didn't know about that because I actually do that a lot. I just sign up for the three-day pass when I'm traveling. And I was traveling to with a friend to Ontario. We signed up online for a trial pass. And then when we went to the gym to redeem it and get our three-day trial in, the representative wanted us to buy the membership before we got our three-day trial. And I'm telling him, that's not how trials work. We get our trial, and then we're going to decide if we like the gym. We'll buy the membership after, which we never intended to because we don't live there. He started going through this speech. I think it's a script that they're trained on where, what's stopping you from achieving your goals today? What can I do to get you to just start right now? And (laughs) I'm so frustrated. I was just like, you, you're the one. You're the one standing in my way. I came here dressed and ready to work out. You're standing in my way. You're preventing me from achieving my fitness goal. So he went back and talked to his manager or just sat in the other room to get away from me. And then he came back and decided, okay, we're going to let you have this trial first. (laughs) Yeah, of course you are. My friend was so embarrassed. She didn't say anything after, but she was just sitting there probably thinking, oh my God, Elaine, what is wrong with you? We got our work at in. <laughs> so I don't really understand the trial piece. I work at a gym, so I feel like if you're offering a trial membership, you're not really losing out on anything by letting someone try it out. And you never know. I don't live there, but if I know anyone moving there, I would recommend that gym. Or if it's a chain, kind of sets an impression to me for what that gym would be somewhere else as well. So I don't see the risk of... Yeah, and we've talked about this before, and a trial allows people to get comfortable, I think, at your facility because I don't like going to an event where I'm required to participate. If I go to a rock concert, I don't want to have to jump up and dance. I just want to, I don't get floor seats or floor tickets because I just want to sit in my seat and listen to music live. That's just how I am. So I think there's people who feel the same way. They feel like if they walk into a gym, everyone's going to look at them. They're going to worry about wearing the right thing. Yoga, I think, is a big, that's a huge barrier for people. On top of a gym, because a gym, you can go in and do whatever you want. But yoga, it's you're going to the space and you have to do that yoga class. It's not like I can just go to a yoga studio and just do my own yoga thing in the corner. You're part of a class. And so I think that trial helps people get some comfort in it. Mm -hmm. But I think that's the biggest barrier to fitness for people is feeling like they're going to be judged. And you see that a lot with Lululemon now. They're trying to do um, their models. They're trying to have like people that can relate to anybody. I love that. Yes, I talked about that in, in actually my first episode that was just published today. Diversity Controversy. I talk about how they're being more diverse in the image of person that they're portraying. Well, it's interesting because someone had the opposite reaction. Oh, okay. She's a little older. Yeah. And she's like, I don't like how those clothes look on that person. I don't want to buy those clothes. She's like, oh. I want to see how they could look. I think it might be difficult to, if the 
person modeling the clothes isn't what you think is the same size as you, it might be difficult to imagine how that might look on you. But think about it flip side. Think about those women who weren't represented in the images before. How did they feel for all this time looking at the models and thinking, I don't know how that's going to look on me because that woman's not the same size as me. But that that was interesting because she's a bit older and she's not your typical model. So she's saying, I don't want to see women who look like me wearing these clothes. I want to see like models and like how good the clothes could look on somebody. It was for her, it was, I want to see what those clothes could look like. Knowing that that's confusing because she is seeing what they could look like. But she's saying like on, on athletes, like people that are, but there's enough representation of that already. Yeah. They've almost, Lulu's almost gone the, the totally opposite way. It's interesting. In my perspective, I'm, I'm actually super curious. I'd love to talk to her more on that. I think they're very representative. I You see a lot of different body types. Yeah, like they'll have one type of clothing, yeah. but if you flip through, they'll have pictures of that specific piece of clothing on different size models, For sure. which I think is very important. Yeah. But I know sometimes... And studies have shown that the more you try to focus on diversity, the more exclusive things can become as well. How so? Um, So it's the more that we try to represent everybody, the more that we start to divide people and have them like off in their own like sort of buckets. And so the more that you try to encourage people or push people into being equal in everything, the more that people tend to go off and do the thing that they've always kind of wanted to do. And so you see that in a lot of like European countries. We're trying that in North America. We're trying this experiment that they've already kind of gone through. And so it's like if I want to work with kids, or sorry, if, if there's men that don't want to work with kids and you start sort of pushing men to work with kids, right, you're going to sometimes push those men away. So in schools, for example, 10% of elementary school teachers from like kindergarten grade three or kindergarten grade six, I think, are like 90% are female. And kindergarten grade two, it's like 1%. And so... Is there value in getting more men in schools? For sure. But does it have to be 50-50? Does it have to be equal? And it's like, no, it's okay that people do the things they want to do. Just because we look at, you know, the results of years and years and years and say, we have to have this or that. People typically go where they want to go. Like, I feel like sometimes we overvalue the impact that society can have on us. But I don't think representing a diverse type of person is forcing them into something. For example, with instructors, by representing there are male instructors isn't forcing men to be teachers. It's just awareness that this is a profession that's acceptable for men if they should choose. Well, it's interesting because a lot of the work that I'm doing with emotional intelligence, I'm like one of the only men. Like I had a call on Friday, four hours, and it was me and like nine women. And so one of the things as well is sometimes, depending on how people look, it's like, People have a stereotype of men that do this are going to look a certain way, right? But where does that actually come from? And so if you have a guy who looks differently from that, right? Like if you have a figure skater and it's been historically that a lot of men who are figure skaters are a bit more feminine looking. It's not that they're not powerful, but just dancing wise and style wise and things like that. It doesn't mean that men who don't look like that can't do it. But typically, men, you know, the guys that look like that are playing hockey. Maybe. And so, yeah, for sure, I think it, it is important to be diverse not, but sometimes when we force that diversity. But how are we forcing it? 
Well, because when, when we're looking at if we have 10 models or something and it's like we have to do this and this and this and this and this, right, that's just kind of an arbitrary thing. I don't know, because I find sometimes, especially in North America, when, when people try to be diverse, I find that's when it stands out a bit more. I'm all for everybody being represented, but to have it like it has to be 1% this and 1% that, 1% that, whatever. Mm-hmm. I think we just have to be, just make more effort. Like a friend of mine is doing a campaign, it's called strong and free i think it was called superheroes and so when she was looking at the data it was showing that only about one and a half to two percent of sports images were female which is horrible and i mean yes for sure there's nhl nba major league baseball nfl so the top four sports are men and so they're going to get a lot of airtime a lot of money whatever but there's a lot of women that play sports and they're not being represented and so she just came out with a book 100 women 50 different sports and so that was cool because she's actually making that effort and so i think it's it's intentional to show more women in sports which is super important mm-hmm. but for us to try and represent all all diversity within ads and things like that i think it's it's impossible to capture that and just working marketing we have to be aware and intentional about everything we're doing Burton, I think it was, got in trouble a couple years ago because, so they had men's and women's summer line and the men were wearing, you know, board shorts or whatever, but the women were wearing like the super tight, like super, like it's over-sexualized. And that's something, and I don't know how you feel about this, but that's something like volleyball. I don't know if you've watched any volleyball, but the shorts that the girls were in volleyball, mm-hmm. it's crazy. And maybe that's just me, but, and yes, it's more comfortable and things like that. But if you look at gym wear compared to like what men versus women are wearing, I think we oversexualize women way too much. I think, and I don't, I don't know about volleyball clothing requirements, but I feel like if that's required, that's the only option of clothes that they have. Obviously, that's something that might need to change. But if, they, yeah. if they're free to choose that outfit or baggier pants or just they have some options, but that's what they choose for whatever reason, then I think it's good. I I was curious, though, you were talking about the need for women to be more represented yeah. in board images, yeah. but you thought representing different body types was forcing people into something. I'm wondering how diversity would work in terms of just gender, but not in body type. Because to me, I think Everyone should be represented. Like, it doesn't matter your gender or skin color or body type or anything. We need diversity all around, not just gender-based. And this was totally just based on what she had said. So this was, I agree the same as you. I don't have a deep opinion on that because I haven't done a lot of campaigns within that. But I do think it's important to represent just people. And I was curious, Um, you said something about an experiment like that have been done in other countries that we're experimenting with over here. I didn't really understand that. And so it's the more that you try to create diversity within a culture, the more sort of homogeneous it becomes. So the more that you try to have, you know, more representation of men in education or more you try to have women in engineering, the more you actually split it apart. And this just is based on, you know, years and years and years of actually trying this. And so in the beginning, it it seems to make sense because, you know, that's just how our mind works. But when you actually look at the results... Um, It doesn't really play out that way. Because to me, just diversity means it doesn't matter what gender you are, what your skin color is, what your ethnicity is, what your body shape is, what your fitness level is. 
you just have the opportunity, not specifically to be exactly equal to everyone, but you have the opportunity to fully bring your skills to the world. Yeah. That you are not hindered by how how you look or your gender or or any type of those things. You're not hindered by that. You have the same opportunities that everyone has, but in your specific skill set, what you bring to the world. And I just think if we let everybody fulfill who they are and their specific skill set. I agree. I agree. But I think what the, the danger happens when we start looking at the numbers and say, oh, well, there's this number of people doing this. We should have more here. And it's like, well, but why do we need more there? Because, and, and it starts to be where, like, let's say, for example, you really like math and then you go and become a mathematician. Well, that's great. You should have the ability to do that. And so I think it's a quality of outcome versus a quality of opportunity. And so if we want people to just, like you said, have the ability to do whatever, that's great. But too often we're going in the other side and saying, well, here's the actual outcome. How do we get more people into this? And then you start trying to funnel more people into that. And that's where like trying to get more you know, women into sciences, right? But we're not trying to get more men into nursing or more men into education. That's why it, it should be just representing diversity should be just awareness that men can go into nursing, women can go into science. And I agree. Um, but too often we're looking at the numbers and saying, you know, there should be more of whatever here or here or whatever. You but know, even, so if, if, like, even if someone has like, oh, we need this specific number of people, um, for example men in nursing there's no way to force men like no one's gonna be like okay no, we need we need men is, in here but what they can <laughs> Get do in is here. hold slots <laughs> yeah right? so they can say if we have ten thousand nurses coming we're going to set aside five thousand slots for men five thousand for women right but why does that why does that mean that that's going to work well that because then they're they are selecting someone based on gender still yeah. right yeah. when they should be selecting the best person for Confidence. the yeah for the position yeah and i, and I think too like for example, you know, the work I do with the World Flying Disc Federation, I totally agree that it's fair to have, you know, our committees made up of half men, half women, you know. Um, it doesn't mean that we're going to have 50% of the athletes being men, 50% being women, but our committees, we can definitely make that up. Mm-hmm. Totally fair, because it's something where we self-select committees. So I, I, I think there's value in that, just having equal representation. Dangerous team building activities. Do you have any just funny story, entertaining story, gym story off the top of your head? One of the funniest gym stories I have. So what, it wasn't me in a gym, but it happened to a guy in a gym. Do you remember Lorne? So he tried out for Wipeout Canada. Wipeout Canada. Wipeout, yeah. Remember that TV show where like... What? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So he, his application video. So he's running and like they throw like a Swiss ball at his head or something and... Then he's running on the treadmill and like falls down on the treadmill. And so the funny thing was, so after he fell on the treadmill, the next clip, whatever he was doing, he had a big gash along his forehead. So he actually hit his forehead on the treadmill when he was doing it. Oh. And then they were filming it in sequence. And so the next, the rest of the video was him like big scratch on his forehead from he where he sh- hit on the treadmill. So. He just got this wound. <laughs> actually, one of my, one of my episodes, we talk about the dangers of treadmills. So they're dangerous. That's a good episode. Uh, one of my favorite stories though was when I worked at head office World Health. And we had the dodgeball tournament. And we were in the finals, so it was, like, myself and a bunch of head office, like, you know, the older management. I think we played them two years in the final. First year, I think we beat them. Second year, they just destroyed us. They just, all five of them would, like, go after one person. They'd take that one person out and keep going after. They're just targeting one person? They were really smart. But the next week, every single gym, the trainers could barely walk. 
because our arms are so sore, the legs are sore from dodgeball. Dodgeball is brutal on the body. So if the next week, like, all the trainers are, like, hobbling into the gym, <laughs> they're like, what happened? Oh, we had a dodgeball tournament. <laughs> I heard this. I don't know if this is a rumor, but I heard that at, I don't even know where I heard this from, a staff event, they rented a sumo suit. Yep. And, that was lady. Oh, it's Paul lady. Girl's got a concussion. Oh, okay. Yes, because apparently in the sumo suit, when you fall over, you don't have control of your arms, not enough distance to brace your fall, and she hit her head? Yeah. So wow. she got pushed over off just at the edge of the mat, so when she fell back, you know, she can't really brace her head, and so her head hit, I think, the cement of the hard floor. Wow. And she struggled for six months or a year with a concussion. Oh, Wow. That's dangerous. Oh, concussions are brutal. So no more sumo suits, no. which is good. Yeah. You can go in wow. the, uh, the the balls. You ever seen those balls? You can, like, be inside of them and play soccer with them. And oh, you can play soccer. Just run around and, like, run into each other. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, yes, I've seen the – yeah, so those are, those are ones where your head and your legs are sticking out. There's a couple of variations, yeah. but there's yeah. those ones. Okay. Yeah. Elaine's Big Ball Experience. Yeah. So when I went to New Zealand, they had those balls, but you, they were huge. And you go at the top of the hill. There's a big, huge hill. You get stuck in this ball. They throw a pail of water in with you. They close it off, and they just push you down the hill. <laughs> it sounds like maybe it's a fun experience. It's really not. Oh, you, did you try it? I tried it. Oh, man. Yeah. Wow. Because <laughs> you're in there with someone. I think you can go alone, or you can go with someone. I went in with someone, and uh, yeah, there's a lot of elbows and knees and just you can't slow you're, down you're yeah you're you're going down the hill in a bouncy ball there's water on your face you can't breathe you can't see it wasn't so fun. what point did you think probably shouldn't have done this or i want out basically <laughs> as soon as they kicked you off the edge of the hill it took me about half a second to realize what am I doing? I think I was a little uncertain of the whole concept to begin with. It just didn't seem like that great of an experience. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't, you know, it's interesting. There's just some things I, skydiving, bungee jumping, going in a ball down a hill. I don't know. I think I'd be okay if I never did those things. Yeah. I mean, I tried it. At least I know. And now I won't do it again because I, At I've done it. Know. At least you know. I've done it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you got to try it. Wait, didn't you say with Frisbees? You got to try it. You got to. You got to try it at least once. You never know until yeah, you try it. But um, you might enjoy being kicked down a hill in a giant. Maybe, but I can't. Bouncy. I can't try everything. So when, I, when there's a couple of things that I like, I like doing that a bunch. You know, like if I like a certain restaurant, I want to keep going back to that restaurant. So yeah, I mean, I could try every single restaurant ever, but find something you like. Mm -hmm. I would just stick with it. And you know, there's other things better than bouncy balls that you <laughs> giant balls. That might be the best thing in life. I don't know. <laughs> But you'll never know. <laughs> There's other stuff better that you know. Not many people know this about Rob. Tell me something about you that not many people know about you. Well, that's a good question. Something about me that not many people know about. Yeah. Something's but now a lot of people are going to know about it if I tell you. Something secret. And well, you know, I don't have that many listeners yet. So. <laughs> <laughs> but you better listen to it. So I'll have at least one listener I'll and your girlfriend. I'll listen to it 30 so, times. You know. 30 times. <laughs> I just have it on repeat over and over. It's like, wow, I get a thousand views. Um, that's not a question I get asked a lot. I, a huge Hardy Boys fan and Nancy Drew. Okay. Yeah. Um, I remember in grade 10, our, it was advanced writing and our teacher asked us what her favorite book was and I told her the Hardy Boys and she's like, 
that's a grade five reading level. Wait, what grade were you in? Grade 10. Grade 10. Oh, okay. I was like, okay. I don't care. Like, the Hardy Boys and Nancy Drew are amazing. They're teenagers who are detectives and they solve mm-hmm. crimes and they're exciting and awesome. I think reading really shaped who I am today and the Hardy Boys and Nancy Drew were a big part of that. And not many people know about this? I don't think so. Everyone's going to know now. Everyone's going to know now. I'm gonna but make- I, I think it's neat to go back and read those because I think Nancy Drew was like the number four best-selling series of all time. Mm. Harry, Harry Potter is obviously number one. Do you like Harry Potter? I did early morning reading in grade 12 to like grade three kids. And so that's the only time I've ever read Harry Potter. Okay. <laughs> and I think I've watched like one movie and it's like, eh, it's not bad. Okay. It's not Hardy Boys. It's not Hardy Boys. And I've actually, I, I own a few Hardy Boys books. One of my goals in life is to have every single book in the Hardy Boys collection. Wow. So then if I ever have kids and they could read the Hardy Boys and Aww. or maybe I'll just read it. That's so sweet. Or other books. <laughs> now, you, you, when, when, did you say when or if? If. If you have kids, who knows what happens? You'll uh, you'll have tons of experience from all these kids throwing frisbees at the wall. That's part of it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I know how to manage kids for like half an hour, forty five minutes. Okay, parenting's a little longer than that. A little longer than <laughs> that. Little, so. Pretty much. I mean, if I could just full-time. trade kids, if I could just have a kid like a day at a time, it'd be perfect. That'd be good. <laughs> I don't know if that exists. No single day parenting. I don't. No. I don't know. No, it's uh, a new experience. It's like yoga. Maybe yoga's getting me ready for parenting. There you go. Okay. (laughs) Well, thank you. Thanks for having me on. My pleasure. Do you have anything to promote? Do you have your social media? Yeah, so super easy to find me. Just look up Frisbee Rob on the socials. Okay. Website, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Join me Tuesday, February 16th, when my next guest reveals the purpose of life and Elaine rescues a friend on the bench press. So I I promised people that uh, I'd mention what's the purpose of life. You know what the purpose of life is, Elaine? Tell me. I want to know. Hey, tell me something. I'm so glad you were listening. That was fun. If we made you smile, subscribe, because we're going to do this again. We post every first and third Tuesday of the month. Show us some love by rating our show and leaving a comment. Also, head over to thingsingyms.com with your own gym stories and fitness questions. With your permission, we may feature you in an upcoming episode. Until next time, thingsingyms.com.